Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about chronic heart failure and you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash heart failure or in the cardiology section of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Chronic heart failure refers to the clinical features of impaired heart function, specifically the function of the left ventricle to pump blood out of the heart and around the body. Impaired left ventricular function results in a chronic backlog of blood waiting to flow into and through the left side of the heart. The left atrium, pulmonary veins and lungs experience an increased volume and pressure of blood which is built up waiting to enter and go through the left side of the heart. They start to leak fluid and cannot absorb excess fluid from the surrounding tissues and this results in pulmonary edema or fluid building up in the lungs. The ejection fraction is the percentage of blood in the left ventricle that's squeezed out with each ventricular contraction. An ejection fraction above 50% is considered normal. Heart failure with reduced ejection fraction is when the ejection fraction is less than 50%. Heart failure with preserved ejection fraction is when someone has the clinical features of heart failure but the ejection fraction remains above 50%. This is the result of diastolic dysfunction where there's an issue with the left ventricle filling with blood during diastole, when the ventricle is supposed to be relaxing and filling. The top five causes for chronic heart failure are ischemic heart disease, valvular heart disease, commonly aortic stenosis, hypertension or high blood pressure, arrhythmias, commonly atrial fibrillation, and cardiomyopathy. Let's talk about the presentation. The key symptoms of chronic heart failure are breathlessness, worsened by exertion, a cough which may produce frothy white or pink sputum, orthopnea which is breathlessness when lying flat and relieved by sitting or standing. So you can ask the patient how many pillows they use at night time to avoid being breathless paroxysmal nocturnal dyspnea, which we'll talk about in more detail shortly, peripheral edema, for example swelling of the legs and ankles, and general fatigue and tiredness. Signs of chronic heart failure on examination include tachycardia or a raised heart rate, tachycnea, which is a raised respiratory rate, hypertension or raised blood pressure, murmurs on auscultation indicating valvular heart disease or problems with the heart valves, a third heart sound on auscultation, bilateral basal crackles on auscultation of the lungs, which may be described as sounding wet, and this indicates pulmonary edema, a raised jugular venous pressure or JVP caused by a backlog on the right-hand side of the heart, leading to an engorged internal jugular vein in the neck and peripheral edema in the ankles, legs and at the sacrum on the lower back. Let's talk in more detail about paroxysmal nocturnal dyspnea. 
Paroxysmal nocturnal dyspnea, or PND, describes the experience that patients have of suddenly waking up at night time with an attack of severe shortness of breath, cough, and feeling wheezy. They may describe having to sit on the side of the bed or walk around the room, gasping for breath. They may feel suffocated and want to open a window to try and get fresh air. Symptoms improve over several minutes. There are a few proposed mechanisms to explain paroxysmal nocturnal dyspnea. Firstly, the fluid will settle across a large area of the lungs as they lie flat and this causes breathlessness. As they stand up, the fluid sinks to the lung bases and the upper lung areas function more effectively. Secondly, during sleep, the respiratory centre in the brain becomes less responsive so the respiratory rate and the respiratory effort do not increase in response to reduced oxygen saturation like they would when they're awake. This allows the person to develop more significant pulmonary congestion and hypoxia before they wake up feeling very unwell. Thirdly, there's less adrenaline circulating during sleep. Less adrenaline means the myocardium or the heart muscle is more relaxed reducing the cardiac output. Next let's talk about assessment of chronic heart failure. Establishing a diagnosis of heart failure involves a clinical assessment with a history and examination, an N-terminal pro-B-type natriuretic peptide or NT-pro-BNP blood test, an ECG and an echocardiogram. Other investigations include blood tests for anemia, renal function, thyroid function, liver function, lipids and diabetes, and a chest x-ray and lung function tests to exclude lung pathology. Next let's talk about the New York Heart Association classification. The New York Heart Association or NYHA classification system is used to grade the severity of symptoms related to heart failure. Here's a simplified version. Class 1 is when there's no limitation on activity. Class 2 is when they're comfortable at rest but symptomatic with ordinary activities. Class 3 is when they're comfortable at rest but symptomatic with any activity. And class 4 is when they're symptomatic at rest. Next let's talk about management. The management here is summarised based on the NICE guidelines from 2018 and the NICE clinical knowledge summaries updated in January 2023. Follow the local and national guidelines and get input from seniors when you're treating patients. There are five principles of management which you can remember with the RAMPS mnemonic. R for refer to cardiology, A for advise them about the condition, M for medical treatment, P for procedural or surgical interventions, and S for specialist heart failure MDT input, such as the heart failure specialist nurses for advice and support. The urgency of the referral and specialist assessment depend on the NT-ProBNP result. According to the NICE guidelines, if the result is from 400 to 2,000 nanograms per litre, 
they should be seen and have an echocardiogram within six weeks. And if the result is above 2,000 nanograms per litre, they should be seen and have an echocardiogram within two weeks. And this is because the higher the BNP blood result, the worse the prognosis. Additional management involves flu, COVID and pneumococcal vaccines, stopping smoking, optimising the treatment of comorbidities such as diabetes, a written care plan and cardiac rehabilitation, which is a personalised exercise programme. Let's talk in more detail about the medical management. The first-line medical treatment of chronic heart failure can be remembered with the ABAL, A-B-A-L, mnemonic. A for ACE inhibitor, for example, ramipril, titrated as high as tolerated. B for beta blocker, for example, bisoprolol, titrated as high as tolerated. A for aldosterone antagonist, when the symptoms are not controlled with an ACE inhibitor and a beta blocker for example, spironolactone or aplerinone, and L for loop diuretic, for example, frusamide or bumetanide. An angiotensin receptor blocker, or ARB, for example, candesartan, can be used instead of an ACE inhibitor if the ACE inhibitor is not tolerated. Avoid ACE inhibitors in patients with valvular heart disease until initiated by a specialist. Aldosterone antagonists are used when there's a reduced ejection fraction and the symptoms are not controlled with the ACE inhibitor and the beta blocker. Patients should have their user knees closely monitored whilst they're taking diuretics, ACE inhibitors and aldosterone antagonists as all three medications can cause electrolyte disturbances. It's particularly essential to closely monitor the renal function in patients taking ACE inhibitors and aldosterone antagonists together. Both of these drugs can cause hyperkalemia, a raised potassium, which can be potentially fatal. Additional specialist treatments in heart failure are SGLT2 inhibitors, for example dapagliflozin, Sacubitril with valsartan, with a brand name Entrezo, Ivabradine, Hydralazine with a nitrate, and Digoxin. Let's talk about the potential procedural and surgical interventions. Surgical procedures may be used to treat underlying valvular heart disease, for example aortic stenosis, when it's causing heart failure. Implantable cardioverter defibrillators continually monitor the heart and apply a defibrillator shock to cardiovert the patient back to sinus rhythm if they identify a shockable arrhythmia. And these may be used in patients who have previously had ventricular tachycardia or ventricular fibrillation. Cardiac resynchronization therapy, or CRT, may be used in patients with severe heart failure with an ejection fraction of less than 35%. Cardiac resynchronization therapy involves a biventricular pacemaker or triple chamber pacemaker where there are leads in the right atrium, right ventricle and left ventricle. 
These pacemakers synchronize the contraction of different chambers in order to optimize the heart function. A heart transplant may be considered as a last-line option in suitable patients with severe disease. So thanks for listening to this episode on chronic heart failure. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. If you like these episodes, consider becoming a member of the Zero to Finals Patreon account, where you'll get early access to the podcast as well as YouTube videos. And you'll also get access to the Zero to Finals members area, which includes the digital flashcards, as well as the full question bank containing multiple choice questions, short answer questions, and extended matching questions to practice testing your knowledge in preparation for exams. And I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about hypertension.